0: Welcome to Blog Talk Radio, Safe Recovery. This is Monica Richardson, and I am your host. Today is January 26, 2016. Wow. I started this show back in March of 2011. Oh my goodness, it'll be five years that I've been doing this show. I can't believe that. That's really, wait, really? 12, 13, 14, 15, 16? Oh my God. Five years of doing this show. I wasn't going to do a show today. I was going to upload, and it was my day off. And um, But I started, I came back from being out and running errands, and I decided that I wanted to do a show. You know, this whole thing, to me, just never seems to end because there is this whole talk of, you know, uh, getting nonviolent drug offenders out of prison early, which I'm all for. I support that. I think that the problem is, is that we all know that the majority of them—I don't know if all of them—I mean, uh, somebody can verify this for me get sent to Alcoholics Anonymous. Like, so if even if you dealt drugs and you weren't addicted and you really weren't into using them, you were just selling them. There's this pipeline. It's massive, and it, it works in a lot of different ways. So one of the ways is that when you get out, like, are you done? You know, everybody go on parole for a couple of years. Like, is it wasn't there a time where, you know, you committed a crime and then you went to jail and then you served your time and you came out and you were a free man, or a free woman? Like, when did it change? Like, when did it become? Oh no, you're not finished yet. You serve your time, but you're still gonna have like this noose around your neck and the ankle around your foot because you can't drink anything and you can't do, you know, you can't smoke any pot. And if you do, it's a violation of your parole, and so then you're going back to jail. And I mean, I've heard from you know many different, very very good sources, both AA, you know, high level ranking, whatever people who are in their general service structure, that it's completely invested in the parole system, where like even if you get a DUI, so let's just say we're we have a Facebook page. It's called Say No to AA for DUI. So please go to that page, like the page, share the page with everybody and anyone you know who knows anybody who got a DUI. So let's talk about the other people who get forced to Alcoholics Anonymous, and those would be pilots, nurses, and doctors, and I don't know, is it everybody? Is it everybody in the everybody in the United States who is a professional? gets forced to go to Alcoholics Anonymous, I mean, I think it's nuts. I think this this is, like, so bad. Um, if anybody wants to call in, you can listen this way. You want to talk to me, the host? I'm doing a short show, 30 minutes. You can call in at 818 475 818 If you've been forced to attend Alcoholics Anonymous for any reason we want to hear from you. So, if you want to buy the film, it's going to be for a limited time only. Um I think the film is a good thing to show to anybody. If you'd like to have them see what alcoholics anonymous really is, maybe have them look at the CBS 48 hours episode of the Sober Truth. You can find that up on CBS 48 hours and you put in the Sober Truth and you can watch that on demand anytime for free. Um my film will be available for just a short time longer. Um on D V D you can go to my website, the thirteen stepfilmcom And uh hopefully in by the end of March uh there'll be some kind of distribution or I will self distribute it myself. Uh here we go. So um you know I really I really thought I understood how AA grew and um I think most people who are do gooder AAs <coughs> excuse me. Do gooder AA's, you know, read uh, the books that you read and, you know, Dr. Bob and the Old Timers, which I never, I tried to read that and it was so boring I couldn't read it. But I sur- i read Bill Wilson's autobiography that um, GSO wouldn't approve because in it he talked about taking, um, you know, vitamin, vitamin, he took all these vitamin therapy because he believed he had a mental illness and um, he also took LSD. So that was not approved for everybody to read about his life. And it was, I remember reading it, but I was like, you know, back in the 70s, and I was like really, really steeped, brainwashed, thought Bill Wilson was, you know, some magical man who was um, super spiritual, and I was, anyway. Um, The thing is, is that the more I've learned, so this is, I'll give you kind of what I understand now. There's a couple of things that I've learned from reading Gabrielle Glaser's book, Her Best Kept Secret, Why Women Drink and How They Can Regain Control. That's a great book if you want to read, and then reading *Chasing the Scream* by Johan Horry, Hari. All right. So these two books, and also talking to Gabrielle, who keeps digging and digging, and her, you can read her piece on the Atlantic, um, her piece on ProPublica. That there were a couple things that happened. One was they found the key, and this is what I learned from Gabrielle: they found the cure for a TB and they had all these wards that were empty and it was 19 the mid 1930s and uh which is when and it wasn't 35 because that's when bill and bob actually got sober through the oxford groups which were fundamental religious groups they were very cult-like and there's some famous people that joined these groups they were very pro hitler and as the time got you know things got worse and worse in europe bill had to separate himself from the oxford groups and they did and they changed the the, the six steps into 12 And, you know, they went on to create what they called Alcoholics Anonymous. But um, what happened is that there was no cure. There was no anything. I mean, they were, like, feeding them formaldehyde. It was pretty bad in the hospitals. They they didn't know what to do with somebody who was really, really what the word alcoholic means or chemically dependent on alcohol. And um, so they had all these empty beds. AA arrives, and um, you know Bill and his in his cronies, and they get into Mass General, and they are in you know the hospitals there, where the powerful hospitals, Boston Mass, and um, they get in there, and at the same time, we have a drug czar, Harry Anslinger, which I learned this from reading Chasing the Scream, who had a mother who was an addict, and decided that you know the prohibition ended in 1933, right, thirteen years of prohibition. It ends, so this guy now doesn't have a job because alcohol is legal. So he's going to make drugs illegal, and if you don't know this, you can read Gabriel Glaser's book about facts that are – and I think, you know, I'm sure that um, Johan Hari talks about this in Chasing the Scream – that you could get a script for heroin or cocaine in in those times. You could buy a heroin kit in the Sears and Roebuck catalog in the late 1890s. So, you could and the most people that were addicted to the drugs, interestingly, were white middle-class women. They were not black people or or people of color, and they weren't certainly the poor people. They were these rich people who had nothing better to do but be unhappy about their lives and uh so they were shooting heroin, right? Interesting. Kind of interesting with the opiate problem now uh, is is very much in the middle class, uh, middle upper class, white areas, and uh, these kids got their hands on the opiate. That's not the show I want to have, though, so I'm not going off on that. All right. So what happens is that Harry Anzinger arrests 25,000 doctors, and this was a piece of the puzzle that I never got. So he arrests 25,000 doctors for writing scripts for addicts, and they, the doctors, what did they say? I mean, I would actually love to interview a doctor if one is still alive that was around back then. I, I don't think somebody could be, but, you know, it begins really interesting to see that history. So they said, screw it. You want the addicts? You want the alcoholics? You, go ahead. You can treat them because we don't have an answer, and you want to do it? Fine. So they turned their back on it, thinking AA was something probably more than a religious conversion, because they were given the beds in the hospital, right? So wouldn't you think that they were doing something more than praying and, you know, carrying their message and calling it a spiritual disease? There's no such thing as a spiritual disease, first of all. And so they get in, and at the beginning, you know, and this would be another interesting history lesson, but that they they weren't just doing it, kicking it cold, It was 35, 36, 1930s. They used a very serious cocktail. And you can see some of these interviews that are on YouTube of Dr. Bob's children that talk about it, of formaldehyde. I mean, I guess it was formaldehyde. But of like belladonna. They they were knocked out. They were completely like shit-faced. They were out for 48 hours. And when they woke up, they had gone through the worst of their DTs. It's a bad idea to just quit cold turkey when you drink from the time you get up. Clear alcohol, straight booze, you know, a court a day, whatever the hell they were doing. Now, there were lots of things that then took place. So Marty Mann, who was a very high high society woman, she comes along in the early 40s. She's gay. Her lover works for one of the biggest magazines in the United States, in New York. So she has a very well-connected community, not only because she's super in that high, you know, echelon of people, but she has this lover who's connected to Magazines, which is like the internet today. It would be like, you know, connected up with the Huffington Post owner, Ariana Huffington or something. And she has a drinking problem, a serious drinking problem. And she gets sober. And of course, her and Bill Bill become best of friends. And she's gay. So, you know, I guess that wasn't a problem, right? He's not going to 13-step her because she likes women. And then her lover gets that Saturday Evening Post, you know, article. But then Marty helps with the access to... A lot of rich people. Now, I've heard that Lois Wilson's family was wealthy too. Someone else is doing research and said, "Yeah, but it was also Lois' family who hated Bill." But when he got sober, then wanted to help him. I don't know about that, but I do know about the Marty side. And Rockefeller didn't drink; he was a teetotaler, and his father didn't drink. And he lo- and they loved the fact that they didn't were not drinking, and they were these guys that were gonna and that they were very, very, very Christian. They were so Christian, there was a the big fight about, all oh, the God and the Jesus and everything in the big book. And the story goes about the guy who wanted them to change it to the higher power. But that's not my, what I really want to talk about. It's that the access to the rich in America um, and having that money, the first $5,000 that he did give Bill to print the book. And then, you know, it wasn't like even when I made the film, you know, when we first interviewed me, and God knows that so, that interview is so old. I mean, I think I filmed that two years ago. I mean, it would be a very different answer. How did AA get in? Well, you know, they put some big books in the you know, in the court system. They put some big books in jail cells. Well, yeah, okay, so they put them next to Bibles, too. I mean, we were super religious. There were probably Bibles, you know, placed in jail cells back then. And then AA books started showing up. And they're also really religious. I mean, if, if you haven't seen my movie, buy my movie. But if you don't want to do that... Four hundred and ninety seven references to God to him, the higher power, to the great one um, is in this book you know and and really, the court settlements when they've said they fought and said, you know this is a deemed highly religious twenty five states have deemed it highly religious that everybody who gets a DUI all over the United States, how much is that is one point four million people got a DUI in two thousand and ten. I have no idea what it's been since then, but it's a lot of people. Okay, and that's not just the people. I mean, what I'm saying is that we have the DUIs, but then you have everybody else who actually seeks help, who's a pilot, a doctor, a nurse, who actually thinks they're going to go to their, you know, um, to their people, to their, you know, whatever, uh, human resources, and say, you know, I, I, I think I'm drinking too much. So I'd like some help. But they think they're going to go to like, real help, real rehab, like Carla Brada thought she was going to get some real help, and winds up being an Action Family out in Santa Clarita, and is driven in the druggy buggy to fucking trailer park like nearby, where there's now a lot of guys who are also that, that from Eden Ministries. They were, t- that's, and that was a sober living. That wasn't even a rehab. And let me just say this, or anybody who doesn't know this, sober living is not anything but a flop house. You know, it is like people who are sober are making a crap load of money on your kids on you it is total bullshit sober living needs to be gone removed you know they think it's like uh there's so many bad rehabs and then so whatever bad rehab you have in your mind you can sober living is like another step down of like horrible unless there's there are some people that have created good ones that are non 12 step and you can find them on facebook you can find them on leavingaa.com so i want to give you some websites if you're new to this world and this community exposeaa.org and there you will find all of the uh, county you know legal fightings that people have had done against being extorted coerced to go to alcoholics anonymous which is considered religious. Now I won't call it a religion because even though some people treat it like one who are there because it's not worthy of being called a religion because the people there are doing so many bad things, like really horrible horrible things. And on that note, we have um a reporter from Vice that is the online Vice paper that's been that's doing a report on sexual predatory men in Alcoholics Anonymous. And, you know, my husband said, well, you know, is she going to do, you know, what if it happened to a man, or what if it happened to a gay person? Well, right now, it's men doing it to women. That's what she asked me for. I posted that up on LeavingAA.com. So what can we do about this? How do we stop what has become a practice? So it's a violation of our First Amendment rights. How many people know? How many lawyers... Care. How many lawyers know that Alcoholics Anonymous is so religious that it's not run by any professional? Like all the people that were, like say when I met the CBS reporters or when I first met Gabrielle Glaser and I interviewed her for my movie, I was shocked that these people who had gone to, whether it was the Annenberg School of Journalism, that these people thought that Alcoholics Anonymous was a government agency or that it was run by a social worker, that it was run by, you know, a professional, a Ph.D., somebody with a degree. And then the other side of this is that you could, you know, it's easier, what is the joke somebody said with the difference between becoming a rehab counselor, um, the background checks, it's easier to get a gun than it is to... No, wait. I don't think that was the joke. It's easier to get a gun than it is to become a rehab counselor. That's not the one. That's not the comparison. Sorry, but um, you know, you all you need is a TB test in California and Pennsylvania. Now, I do believe that in other states, um, I should probably find out. You know, I think it's all the rest of them or most of them. You have to. You do have to have a background check. But California, nope. And we have an, an assemblyman here who they made into. I think it's Alex Padilla. Um, Who they made into the Secretary of State because this guy was actually doing things this guy was writing great bills He wanted to make changes. Do you think that they voted that in that why why in Sacramento? Would you not want to do a background check on? Someone who works in drug and rehab someone who is a counselor, you know, why because those people are steppers or they have friends and they think Oh well, you don't want to do that because those people who go into rehab, they're the ones who become counselors, and they're really good at that. And some of them have. It's like, are you fucking kidding me? Really? Like you are gonna you're gonna say yeah, it's okay if you're a sex offender. It's okay if you're a violent offender. If that you were um, a person who did fraud with money, that you should be allowed. I mean, look, I know somebody who was you know did money fraud, who's running one of the biggest rehabs in Los Angeles. That's what he did and um you know now he's whatever he is i'm not talking about it but it is so bad that these people think that it's okay why why is it okay for you to to do that all right so that's a real problem but i think and a lot of us think that it will it, it we have to stop the court ordering and we need media we need billboards we need you know, um, signs on trains and on buses that says, you can't force me to go to Alcoholics Anonymous for a DUI. It's a violation of my First Amendment rights. And this is my goal. This is my goal that over the next months that I am going to do some kind of billboard ad and that we educate people about the other options and that, you know, maybe you don't need to go anywhere it would be a better thing. Like, when is it that you, I mean, I, I've i been communicating with a guy who said, you know, I'm going to jail. If I do time, if I do my time, then I come out and I'm done and I'm not going to that AA. And I was like, wow, that's pretty powerful. You know, I mean, we we know how bad it is. Some people are like, oh, yeah, really? Like, you can just sit in a meeting and get your thing signed. Well, you know, you don't even need to sit in a meeting or have your thing signed. You could sign it yourself or have other people sign it. There's nobody there to check. There's nobody there that cares. A small handful. And even then, they're not going to sign their last name. You know, and so it's really absurd. It's really absurd. And it's one of the things that a lot of us feel that we really, really want to change. Now, there are people, there are Facebook pages. Let me just go to Facebook here and just talk about, you know, some of the, um, let me just do those. So here's the ones that I have. Say no to AA for DUI. I have the 13-step, the film. These are on Facebook, Leaving AA. And then I have my regular page, Monica Richardson. Then we have the deprogramming from AA or any 12-step group. Expose AA, Alcoholics Anonymous Activism. That's a new one I started. Families for Sensible Drug Policy is a very good group run by um, two people in Pennsylvania, Carol and Barry Listen. Leaving AA or any twelve step organization is another group that um I'm part of, but that's not my group. The deprogramming from AA is mine. Um now there's other um well I mean that's if you find those you'll suggest you can put in, you know, I guess anti AA groups. Let me see what happens if you put that in there. Anti let's see. Anti AA. No, actually there isn't. There used to be an anti AA group. But um, anyway, you know, there is a, a movement, not just on the blogs, but there is a movement to expose it, to stop it, to change it. And these people are. Not, I'm not alone. That's the good news. Is that I am not alone. And there are a lot of people that. Um, can't stand what's going on, I'm just looking here and see where do I see it um mm. well, anyway, um, oh yeah, I want to talk about Matthew Lecter's place, so Matthew Lecter has created a new place uh in Knoxville, Tennessee, and it is called the Goodman Approach, I think it's called the Goodman's the Goodman Center, and I interviewed on him on here. And um so it's good it's an outpatient place. There is Alternatives, which is in Los Angeles. Alternatives is an outpatient program that lasts uh I think one week and then it you know, um there's one that's a little longer. There's practical recovery down in San Diego and there's um sober living and then there's his real um rehab Then there's St. Jude's Retreat up in New York, and then the Center for Motivation and Change in New York trains a lot of people. And then there's, I mean, I know there's more places than that. Then there's um, Andrew Tatarsky is a harm reduction PhD out of New York. Uh, So it would be a good idea on my blog, I think, to list. We could probably put this up on one of the pages, maybe the leaving AA pages of all the sources of the different places to go if you don't like Alcoholics Anonymous. Now, free places that are um available. Smart Recovery is the biggest. They have online chatting twenty four seven. They have meetings like, you know, um more than one a day. Hams Harm Reduction has online chatting. I believe it has um some face to face meetings in Brooklyn And it has meetings online. It has a really good 17... um, 17... What is it again? Um, They don't call them... I forget what it is right now, but I would go to HAMS, Harm Reduction, and check that out. And um, then you have Women for Sobriety. There's a couple of women that are posting a lot on deprogramming uh, from AA on Facebook, and and they have gone to, um, I guess... uh, they've gone to women for sobriety then there's sos which is also very old um that was created by jim christopher i interviewed him as well in the film as well as i interviewed um, adi jaffe and dr mark kern who started alternatives in los angeles um there's non-twelve step help that's down in i want to say the south bay area um so some of those places I'm, I'm saying are, you know, some of them are expensive. Um, I think that Matthew Lecter's place is the most affordable. And then those other ones I mentioned were free, like SMART and SOS. There's moderation management meetings. Um, the Office where Alternatives is they have those meetings like all week long. And there's Claudia Christian's film, One Little Pill. Highly, highly recommend it if you are a candidate who wants to try Naltrex on. Claudia did it. She has a great book called um, Babylon Confidential. And she is a well known actress and really, really super great movie that you can see on Vimeo. You can rent it and you can buy it. And her C3 Foundation website will help you find, hopefully, a doctor who can help you with the use of Naltrexone and a therapist who can work with you. So that's a lot of resources, and uh, I look forward to having some... I'm going to have on the creator, like the founder of SMART. Um, in I need to contact him finally, and uh, Joe Gerstein, and uh, get on with him and a few other people that I would really like to have on again. So my name is Monica Richardson, and for those of you who don't know my story, you can find it on the LeavingAA.com website. Is so that I was in AA a long time and left in 2011 happily gone, happily unbrainwashed. Uh, I was never an alcoholic. I can't believe I ever sat in a meeting and never said that or ever stood up in front of anyone and never said that, ever. Um, ridiculous, ridiculous. Um, I think it's a ridiculous thing. And I'm embarrassed that I ever went there for that long. For those of you who are leaving and deprogramming, you know, you're not alone. And I think the reason I posted the Josh Fox thing about the gas land, how to let go of the world and love all the the things climate can't change, is about he's connecting people all over the world that are fighting fracking and that what's going on in their communities. And um, this is not about that, you know, but it is about connecting all of us, and he did something very, very interesting. And it, w- it would be fun that if it could be calm, that everybody who wants to stop the coercion, stop extortion. Oh, yeah, and back to the pilot. So if you're a pilot, Brent Wyrock, find him on Facebook and contact him, and they are working. I have no idea how um, their lawsuit is going against the FAA. His name is spelled W-E-Y-H-R-A-U-C-H, Brent. And, you know, uh, I I really hope that um, they go forward with it. I am really, really happy to be gone and um, being alive. And I will see you either next week or the week after. I will be uploading old episodes if I'm not able to have a guest on and do a show. So, again, you can also buy the film... At the 13 com, I am Monica Richardson, and this is Blog Talk Radio Safe Recovery, and we'll see you again soon. Take care, and good night.